Language and Power podcast episode five. In this podcast series, we look closely at the language being used in and around COP26. According to the official website, the COP26 summit will bring parties together to accelerate action towards the goals of the Paris Agreement and the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. Important stuff. Language is crucial to understanding the climate crisis problem, to formulating solutions, negotiating political and economic pitfalls. It's crucial to communicating science findings and recognizing the social, political and economic conditions which have brought us to crisis point. Language is interaction that can accelerate action. But language is also performance and performances can be used to distract from inaction, to avoid action or postpone it. And language is what we focus on in this podcast series. Hello, I am Michael Farrelly. I teach English language at the University of Hull and I research and write on issues of discourse, politics, policy and sustainability. And I'm joined as always by Tom Bartlett. Hi. Hello, Michael. I am Tom Bartlett. I teach language and linguistics at the University of Glasgow and I'm currently sitting in my office looking over what is at present United Nations uh, territory right overlooking where COP is taking place before um, us. Amazing, thank you. Uh, we're joined, we are on, as we record this on the 8th of November, it's adaptation, loss uh, and damage is the theme of the, the conference. And we've spoken about some of those uh, pre previous episodes. Uh, this week we've seen, this weekend, we've seen protests, climate activists protests in Glasgow and cities across the world. Uh, and indeed, some scientists would have been arrested, 27 of them, I understand, uh, in a protest at Glasgow. So interesting visuals there. Um, before we go into the pod, into the, uh, to the content of today, we, I just want to do some podcast housekeeping. So if you look at our website, <laughs> webkeeping, uh, on our website, uh, languagepowerpodcast.org, um, you can now find... Um, uh, um, ways to connect your pot catcher to our our RSS feed. So, so people who know what that means will understand what I'm talking about. Uh, we also have links there. If you are a user of Apple Podcasts, Google Pod Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, we've got links to all of those uh, platforms as well. I'm sounding quite pro now, aren't I? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, we also have a form for people, anybody interested in, in receiving an email alert for when new episodes of this podcast series are out, there's a, a form there that you can fill in too. So today's theme, we're thinking about celebrity interventions uh, in the COP26 media sphere. Um, and we're going to look at uh, a consortium of athletes, including Andy Murray, the tennis star, and um, to a, an intervention from the uh, former Hollywood uh, superstar, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, let's start with um, the sports consortium. We have, uh, we're going to read a report. We'll put a link into the actual video in the, in the interview, but uh, in the description of the podcast, but we're going to, I'm just going to read out some of the, uh, the, the reporting on this. So the headline, this is from BBC online. The headline is climate change. Annie Murray and Tom Daly join call to COP26 delegates for climate action. This was from the 1st of November. And the story goes, Britain's Andy Murray and Tom Daly are among leading global sports figures joining forces to appeal for action to ensure a health and healthy and safe planet. Murray and Daly are two of more than 50 athletes representing 40 countries appealing to world leaders at the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow. Double Olympic sailing champion Hannah Mills and British rower Melissa Wilson have organized the campaign. 
and then it, it continues. And I'm just going to get down to the to the, some of the quotes. The video describes climate change as the race we need to win. And athletes are hoping the appeal will showcase the need for global powers to preserve and protect the planet. And then a quote from Mills, as athletes, we have a huge potential to be powerful advocates for the environment. Sport has a cultural and political influence. The platform athletes have and the support they receive from fans means we are in a position to communicate about what matters. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, that, that's part of the, the report. Um, Tom, what do you think about the intervention in general of celebrities using the platform that they have in, in issues such as environmentalism and, and COP? I think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because that quote at the end where, where uh, the athlete is saying that we have this platform because we're athletes where we can talk about things like uh, climate change. The two, the two topics are not in the slightest bit connected. So the platform, the reason they've got the platform is because of what they've achieved in, in the sport, etc. And yet they feel that, that gives them a platform. No, she didn't say a right. She said a platform to speak about these things. And this is very true. People listen. But it's really interesting, isn't it? Because and these people speaking aren't experts in, in this field. They're, they're stating their opinion. And they no doubt gain, gain some support for, from their fans for this, which is, which is great when you agree with the message, but really, really annoying when you don't agree with the message. And then you say, what are these sports stars doing coming up here and talking all this nonsense? So it's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's it certainly true, as they say, that, that you know, it creates... Uh, they have this platform that creates support for certain things, but not with everybody, I suppose. And, and I wonder, yeah, but to the extent which we would, what do we think about it contributing to yeah. the overall message? That's, that's right. I mean, you do, you, I, I see uh, sports stars in, in other fields being criticised, being told by people, you know, other people on Twitter, you know, stick to what you know. Uh, yeah. You know, this is, this is a completely different, you know, you're an expert on, you know, football or something, you know, just to stick to the topic um, and, 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 and sort of an annoyance. But as you said, you know, when, when, you, um, when you agree with the point of view that they're, the, the sports star is expressing, you're, you're, you're quite pleased with it, but conversely and um you know we've been we've talked uh, quite a bit this in the, in the in the podcast series so far about um you know van leuven's framework for, for understanding some of these issues from a, a language point of view and he speaks about um how you various legitimation strategies so how do you legitimize uh, various standpoints how do you get a, a legitimacy and, and one of those is uh, it comes from well, some of that. Well, some of that comes from authority of various sorts. Um, so we can think about that. What authority does the sports star have? But also the the um, legitimation that they get from being a role model, simply by by being a sports star. And, and it seems to me that that's the side of um, uh, that's the basis for the for, for their legitimate for any legitimacy that they may have for intervening on this. It's, it's simply that you know. We are. We often also criticise sports stars who do badly because they are setting an example in their role model function. Um, so we can't have it both ways. We can't criticise well, them. That's for, for, a bit in society where, where sports stars maybe drink drive or do yeah. something like that yeah. where they sort of, we say they, they are held up by higher accountability. Mm, so we do yeah. expect that of them. So I suppose this is the converse of that, yeah. Yeah, 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 and and it's, it's it's really interesting. And in this case, uh, yeah, we were talking about this before the before we started. That in this case, the sports stars are um, 
only associated with their sport, sporting prowess, the ones that, that are listed in this in this article, they are um, taking their um, their authority from that role model uh, platform. But it, so so that is interesting. In it, later on, we'll get into a more complex case in in terms of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But what about the things that these sports stars say? Um, I picked out a particular one, so I'll maybe start with that. We we noticed that um, you know one of the things that we keep coming back to throughout this series are these metaphors about what how we're thinking about climate change. And uh, I read out the video describes climate change as the race we need to win. And so that that metaphor there as thinking about our relation with climate change is something like a race there's there's a metaphor for how we at least the people who are speaking this video are describing describing climate change and and i thought it was really interesting that uh, for people who listened to a previous episode we had a metaphor of boris johnson talking about the relation to climate change being like a football match and we were saying that this was wondering whether it was helpful to think about this division of of people and versus climate change and this sort this sporting metaphor and this is very similar because if you're racing you know who are you racing is this it sounds like this is being thought of in terms of humanity racing against climate change and it does the same thing it externalizes um the effect which is climate change from the actions of humanity you know, it, there's a there's a, a separation there, um, and I and again, I mean, I, it's an exciting metaphor if if it helps people to um, get on board with um, the idea of tackling climate change. I mean, there's another sporting metaphor, <laughs> <laughs> but but if it, if it helps us to, to to start taking action, then fair enough. But it, but there's something. That bothers me under all of this, which is that it's you know I talked about a desk the other day, but let me think about something else. If if I was hurting myself by scratching, you know, scratching myself too much, um, you know, I wouldn't then sort of go to war on on or have a race against you know the the, the pain on my arm. I would just stop doing it. And I, I I tend to think about climate change in that way. Human actions are causing climate change. So it's no good thinking about the cause as being something external and opposite to us. It, 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 we are the cause. Um, you know, we don't want to fight the, the consequences so much as the cause. Uh, you know, that's the kind of um, metaphor I think we need to develop to 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 help our thinking about what what are we supposed to do about it. What do you uh, think, Tom? Uh, no, I agree with you. I think this one's slightly better than Johnson's one about being five one down at half time. Yeah. I suppose they both make references to time, but True. Johnson's yeah. is a bit more oblique. Whereas this one at least is saying it's a race, and therefore at least we the idea of urgency mm. is being you know put forward, which sometimes we sort of miss. But I agree with you; it's still a question. Of, let's try harder doing the same thing, yeah. rather than actually changing everything or, or stopping at the root cause, rather than working yeah. harder on you know uh, scratching it or tidying the desk or, or yeah. any of those other metaphors that you introduced yeah. to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, but th this is not to you know, th as we've just said, these these people are not you know they're not spending the whole time thinking about it. This this isn't to criticise them directly. It's just because this this and what I'm saying is this this type of metaphor is pervasive. These are the metaphors by which we think about climate change, and I, and I think um, you you pick up what other people are saying, and I think you know perhaps 
collectively, we need to think about metaphors that will describe the situation in a in a more efficacious way. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd and I think we sort of we were talking about this, even though sometimes you know very often it, it annoys us if people who are well known in one sphere make pronouncements in another sphere. You know, at the same time, there's some sort of reflection of this. Uh, how many people will it affect? How many? You know, Andy Murray fans or whatever will yeah. will become environmentalists because there's met not really many, I suppose, unless they were you know very probably borderline anyway. But it's with all this idea of just the, the, the general noise around climate change. It's not just the scientists talking about it anymore. It's going out much more into the public sphere. It's something that's out there. There's a general noise, and, and most of the noise, I would say, is it is moving towards doing something about climate change rather than just ignoring it and at least that's something you know not every message might be exactly what we want or might be very scientific or anything else but just shows this, this background noise that that makes it seem less less radical less kooky less crazy to the environment you know i have to think about the jokes about people saving the whale 20 years ago 30 years ago when we were young michael uh, the, you know they were uh, crazy hippies. Uh, whereas now, you know, it's much more mainstream. You've got, yeah, you've got yeah. people out there. So at least it's raising this noise, uh, yeah. general feeling, which is great. Yeah. No. And I think... It- yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, rather than seeing this as, as you know, do, do, should these sports stars be, be commenting, it's the, the effect is a, a background noise, as you say, and, and that will have the effect of mainstreaming these issues and, um, and make, drawing attention to what the scientists have been saying for decades and decades and decades. Um, whether or not individual fans are then convinced uh, to change their mind, you know, is, is slightly beside the point. It's this general background noise that more and more people are um, demanding that the decision makers really do make decisions that yeah. are effective. And again, if there's 100,000 on the street in Glasgow on Saturday or 50,000, the police reports always roughly half the count of the organisers report of how many people were there so we can assume it's some in the middle that's a lot of people yeah. again a lot of people complaining they were blocking the roads etc etc but it's a lot of noise it's a lot of mainstreaming of the message a lot of people taking up the message and again getting it out there not to universal support but it's just an increasing volume mm-hmm. yeah yeah really interesting um should we go on to uh, arnold schwarzenegger so hollywood um, yeah. a, a, a similar um a similar, similar intervention similar but very different as well because where the sports stars were more like the celebrities saying buy this car because i've got one which is you know the whole the, the weakest form of role model just oh okay i want to be like that person i'll buy a car like him yeah. whereas arnold schwarzenegger of course he comes in he comes out and he gives this interview to the bbc and we'll put the link up for that we can't play it obviously because it's a bbc interview but we'll put the link up and it, it's worth listening to and he comes out in a very macho stance. From the very beginning, he talks about being aggressive towards climate change. He talks about politicians not having the balls to do things. So he's taking this undiplomatic language, this aggressive language, this powerful language. And let's remember, he was first famous for being Mr. Universe. And after that, he became a film star on the back of it, most famous for being a film star on the Terminator in particular, but now also as, as a politician, as, as the governor of California. Uh, the governator, as he sometimes likes to be called. <laughs> Again, the whole idea of the governator suggesting he's going to be a governor in a really physical, raw, aggressive sense rather than, the, you know, the normal sort of mild well, governor. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is interesting. So 
he's got that role model thing. But when we were talking about selling a message earlier, he's making the point here that that being ecological is not necessarily for snowflakes or for hippies or for lefties. He's a Republican uh, governor and he's there speaking. He makes a big play on this and very much does that. So he's got, uses all these different, what we can call cultural capitals, the, the, the kudos he carries with him uh, as a film star, as a bodybuilder and as a politician. And he makes reference to them all in different ways. Uh, so he's able to, sell this message in a very specific way that is, again, a very different voice. I said I would liken him to Trisha uh, Suri. And in a way, what the message is he makes is we've got to make this message down to earth. We've got to make this message that people understand. And he criticizes environmentalists for talking about facts and figures and this and that and stuff that people aren't interested in, people don't understand. And he says, we've got to do it in this way. Don't buy your genes that are export, imported from China because it wastes a lot of money. So the same way he's sort of, just like Chai Suri, he's making a message that relates to the daily lives of everyday people, but in a very different way. He's very far from, you know, the, the, the sort of person that she represents, the normal audience that would be listening to her. And again, he says, I can say this because I'm a politician. I'm a Republican politician. He actually makes the point that Republicans will listen to him. They trust him because they don't think he's trying to subvert the economy or bring down global capitalism. He, he says we need smart capitalism, we need good capitalism. So he makes the point mm. himself that he can speak to people that other people can't, mm. while also criticizing environmentalists for not being on message, for not being able to communicate exactly what we're mm. talking mm. about here. Mm. Again, so it's a very different voice to Chai Suri. It's a very different voice from many other people we've looked at. But again, it's we, we've talked very often about the more voices you have and the more positions you have, you get a broader constituency, you get a richer message uh, developing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. He talks about smart competition as being, being the, the, the way. So he's, he's attacking both environmentalists for, for not getting the, their message out clearly, but he's also attacking, you know, I think you mentioned it, but he talks about um, uh, people who, um, pe pe fellow business, business people, leaders, you know, economic leaders, um, as being stupid or liars. So he's attacking on two, you know, two very, two different, constituents but hopefully you know, very macho language again very, very much liars not yeah, many people uh, would get away with that not really no not really um and he does it by you know he's also you know he takes uh, symbols of a certain type of person these um these huge military uh style off-road vehicles these hummers that are, I mean, I remember years ago being heavily criticised for being very uh, fuel inefficient and, and you know, uh, but they, they were the, the choice of some celebrities in, in Hollywood. He's kept his, apparently, according to this, um, but he switched it from being diesel to battery powered. And, oh, right. he, and, and he's, he's, he's um, uh, justifies that or legitimises that decision by saying the electric version goes faster and it's got more horsepower. So it's, you know, more, faster, better. It's taking that discourse of, you know, these kind of how, why people like these big power hungry cars or some people do and saying, well, actually, the greener version is better or the battery powered version is even more um, faster and more powerful than, 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 than the, sort, the sort of traditional. And, and he says the same about himself, doesn't he, with his new diet? With his new diet. So he talks about switch eating less meat. So he talks about going down, uh, cutting his, his, uh, his, his uh, meat eating by um, three quarters over the last few years. 
And he says, so this is a quote, since eating more vegetables and plant-based foods, my heart doctor said my arteries have stopped narrowing. Uh, so, and then what he's, the reason he's saying this is to uh, set up an opposition with people who are saying, well, going green means you have to give up something. And some people would respond to that saying, I don't want to give up anything. Why should I? You know, other people answer, why should I? But what he's coming back at that and saying is, well, how have I given up something? I gained my health. It gave me an extra two years. So he's sort of switching that. Well, I, I, I've lost, I'm, I'm, I am getting rid of eating as much meat, but that you shouldn't think of that as being um, losing something. You should see that you get the compensation of getting better health. So in a, in a way, it's not quite right. He, you are, I mean, for a, for a hardened meat eater, you are giving, you would be giving something up if you ate less. That's, that's the nature of it. That's the point of it is to, is to give up and eat less. Um, but he's saying, well, you've got this alternative. And I think quite cleverly puts this alternative, you're also gaining something and that's important. Um, and I think actually a message that we've seen more and more of about the po of kind of seeing um, adaptation in a positive way, how, how that pans out, we'll have to see. No, and it's great that he, I mean, he of all people can talk about a diet being good and then keeping you, Mm. keeping you strong and healthy that's, that's and I, right. I think it's really interesting to think about his constituency and who this message might be appealing to and if you think of the split in republicanism in the states at the moment where you've got the, the donald trump camp with this very very macho aggressive i'm not interested mm. in this you know liberal discourse and almost you see that the, the, you know the, the merchandise and stuff at trump rallies is mm mocking the fact that people will carry on smoking they're not going to wear masks they're mm. going to carry on burning mm. the fuel it's as if to say in your face liberal yeah. liberal yeah. world yeah. Uh, we are who we are whereas Schwarzenegger is very clever is, is aiming at that same audience and saying that you don't need to be so you know you you, mm. you can have the best of both worlds yeah and yeah. It, may, it might not be quite true but it's it's very important to have someone there trying to win that audience over because I couldn't do it. You can't do it. Chaisturui can't do it. Greta certainly can't do it. Mm -hmm. So you need to have Arnie in there, even if we don't agree with the whole of his message necessarily. He's there winning over uh, a particular audience. So, he, he, you know, he's telling it in a certain way. And again, this is where he, he, he when he talks about how he's communicating, he actually reflects on how he's communicating it and he compares it to, to making a film and talking about a film. So again, drawing on this third area of expertise he's got, he says, when you're describing a film, you don't talk about how many meters of uh, film you used, what lighting you used, what calibration you used. You talk about the storyline. You make it straightforward. So again, he's drawing, he knows about the films. Again, he makes a nice relation to that, criticizes the scientists who go on about facts and figures and tonnage of carbon into the atmosphere and says, tell the story, bring it down to earth, tell the story. And manages also to get a little dig in at China there as well, where let's not export our genes from China, boost the local market instead. So staying very on strong for Republican local mm. market, US first market message, but very, very different from Trump's message and hopefully winning some of that constituency over to at least thinking it's not the end of the world to think about the environment. Yeah, I, I did want us to, to I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if we're, we're sounding a lot like fans of, um, on a Schwarzenegger, but as a criticism, he talks about buying local products. Every time you buy something around the seas, that's evil for the environment. So, you know, it follows on from your China thing. This is the worst thing you can do. And in a sense, you know, I'm very much for um, buying local products. I would try and do that. But 
this individualized uh, response, it would be it's great if you've got a local market or a shop that sells local stocks, sorry, I should say stocks local products. Um, but if you live in a place where the only shop you've got access to is, is a large supermarket, then it's out of your hands. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's in the hands of the, the, the product buyers, um, the supply chain uh, people. You know, it's all about, you know, it's about what other people do. So, it, so I, I always think that as part of the, these discourses, we've got to, we, you, yes, it is a, about, in part about um, the end consumer and what, they, what we do, but there are consumers all along the supply chain and, and they need to have the, the, the pressure to, to um, resist buying you know, environment to stock and sell people. So yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think this individual responsibility message is very helpful. And I wonder if you can return to that. Yeah. I know for myself, I'm against short haul, short distance airplane flights. Yeah. yeah, I took 600 flights backwards and forwards between Scotland and, and Cardiff while I was working there. We all make excuses. I did it because I needed the job. Yeah, I would have voted for someone to stop me being able to do that. But while the opportunity is there, yeah. As individuals, we don't we don't take it on, and I, I think this idea that it's we've got to change individual behaviour. Uh, possibly, we need to look at that a bit more and take yeah. that. Yeah. We, we just don't do it. We take we make excuses. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's going to is that lead us on to the sound bite of the day. Then, Michael, well, there, there was there was one one more, one more thing that we wanted to say because yeah, this is about intertextuality and how Schwarzenegger again pushes his the image you know goes back to his iconic film role he ends this interview by saying oh, yes. there there is no fate but what we make for ourselves and that's a line from terminator where where one of the characters there um describes how you know don't don't give up uh you know time there's a, for people who don't know it's all about time travel and sending people back to defeat the enemy before it starts, you know, and, and not feeling that, you know, kind of pessimistic and, and um, fatalistic view that because you've seen a future, a particular future, um, doesn't mean that it's inevitable that it happens. So he's kind of nicely Brilliant. used that uh, line from his iconic film to, uh, to sort of talk about climate change. So, uh, which does lead into our, our, our next ah, um, yes, part of the day. I segued a bit too soon then. And so the, the soundbite I'm going to take today is I'm going to leave it anonymous because it's said by a member of the public. So actually, it's been said by many, many members of the public. Mm. But mm. I heard it today when people were talking about uh, being able to fly to the States again and whether that was a good thing or not in terms of, you know, in terms of post-COVID, we can fly to the States again. But should we be rethinking our behaviours in terms of climate? And so the quote that I heard, but I've heard many versions of is, if the politicians are all flying in in their gas guzzling jets, they can't expect us to change our behaviours. And I think this is this is great because it's just this typical thing of if we've got any excuse not to change our behaviours, we'll, we'll jump on it. You know, if we can justify it in any way, it makes it that much easier for us to carry on mm. doing bad stuff but it's also then this idea of the role model but now instead of the role model for positive behavior we're saying well if our role models are failing then there's absolute well interestingly it doesn't say there's no obligation on us to do it or we shouldn't do it or we shouldn't change our behaviors it said they can't expect us to change our behaviors it's this, mm. this weird sort of passing on of responsibility yeah. in terms of what the politicians can expect of us rather than what we should do mm. what would be good for the environment and it's saying well if our role models fail so we can we can mm. fail as well mm. and it's just you know i think we see this time and time again it's 
if people can give us a reason to opt out, in my mm. case, I needed a job in Cardiff. Mm. Maybe that was a good excuse, but it still meant I had to call these flights. Mm. In this case, well, the politicians aren't doing it, so I don't need to do it. And I, I think we see that quite a lot in terms of just finding a, a let out for your own behaviour, for your own individual behaviour. Mm -hmm. And, that, and that's, that, is the issue, that is the problem with this general discourse, that it's down to, the, to individual choices in the end, um, because we cannot make uh, individual choices that, that uh, add up to um, the kind of mass action that, that we, requ we, we require at this point, so... No, it yeah. doesn't add up, does it? Yeah. And just while we're on the question of giving people a way out of stuff and uh, not having to live up to expectations, I'm just going to go back to a tweet, which is not really in any way a soundbite of the day, because it came from some time ago, but it's very relevant for this, and it's a tweet from... Donald Trump, it's actually a very, very famous tweet. The year is 2012, in which Donald Trump famously tweeted, the concept of global warming was created by and for the Chinese in order to make US manufacturing non-competitive. And so he's just come out with this idea that global warming is a myth, and he sort of prevaricated on whether he still believed that or whether he was joking at nothing. But hmm. enough people believe him as a role model to say global warming isn't true. You know, we still get people in terms of making noise, making negative noise, enough scientists, I'm quoting enough random scientists and our scientists out there who don't really believe in global warming. But if you amplify that noise, you try and take away from the people who, who do follow it. And this is what mm. Trump's doing. Oh, we've got an excuse. Mm. Again, China is always the scapegoat, in the, uh, often the scapegoat in, mm. in these cases. Not, not to say that China's behavior is good or bad, but it's often used. And that Oh, it's a myth. It's, it's propaganda. We know there's quite problems with propaganda coming from other, other continents. And so we don't need to believe climate change. As long as we throw enough suspicion on it, mm. we don't need to take it, take it seriously. And again, that global manufacturing, if you are in the Rust Belt or any area that relies on global manufacturing, this is your you know, to carry on with those jobs, yeah. why those jobs have yeah. to make stay you know yeah. it's not time to get rid of those jobs yet because it's all a hoax yeah yeah i mean even if you don't believe it even if you sort of realize that you know well like of course you know that that doesn't sound right that china invented it i mean it gives you it, it makes it less serious yeah you, you can you you're kind of given the given license to to not take it as, as the most important thing that, that you know on your on your agenda yes yeah, so yeah yeah so Impressive, um, well, not so impressive. Uh, inter impressive interventions by the celebrities, and then some not so impressive ones uh, by other people. Um, right, celebrities are the marmite of the intervention. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's one for the UK listeners. My <laughs> <laughs> worldwide audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We will be back tomorrow, and during the week, we're going to hopefully get some um, additional people in for um, some a couple of interviews. So that would be good. So we'll look forward to that. And Tom, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Michael. Bye. Bye.